In this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on how Jesus came to restore wholeness. The focus scripture is from Mark 5, 24-34. This conversation was recorded in November of 2023. Our mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. To learn more about faith walking, visit www.faithwalking.com. Join the conversation. So today, uh, as we continue our little journey through through the Gospel of Mark, uh, if you if you remember from last week, Jairus the synagogue board chairman uh, met Jesus at the at the beach as he got off the boat uh, asking him to come help him with his daughter and his daughter who was 12 was was sick and dying at home so Jesus is headed over to Jairus's house and there's this mass of people all around wanting Jesus's attention. Um, And in the midst of it and on the way to take care of somebody else, here's what happens. So Jesus began traveling with Jairus toward his home. In the crowd pressing around Jesus, there was a woman who had suffered continuous bleeding for 12 years. I'm going to pause there for a moment because I, I there's something just intriguing about the idea that Jairus's daughter was 12 years old, and this woman had suffered for for the entire lifespan of Jairus's daughter. Uh, just interesting, bleeding that ma- that made her ritually unclean and made her an outcast according to the purity laws. She had suffered greatly, and she had spent all of her money on her medical care, and she had only gotten worse. But she had heard of this miracle-working man named Jesus, so she snuck up behind him in the crowd and reached out her hand to touch his, his cloak. And here's what her belief was, that If all I do is just touch his clothes, I know that I'll be healed. As soon as her fingers brushed his cloak, the bleeding stopped. He could feel instantly that she was whole again. There were lots of people pressed against Jesus at the moment, but Jesus immediately felt her touch, and he felt the healing power of God flow out of him. And he stopped. And when he stopped, everybody stopped. And he looked around and, and he said out loud, who just touched my robe? And there was silence. And the disciples got anxious in the silence. And they broke the uneasy silence and said, Jesus, there's a crowd that's so thick that everyone is touching you. Why in the world do you ask who touched me? His gaze swept across the crowd to see who had done it. I think he was looking in their eyes because he knew if I look in their eyes, I'll I'll see by the eyes 
who it was. And at last, the woman, knowing that he was talking about her, pushed her way forward, dropped to her knees in front of Jesus. She was shaking with fear. And she said to Jesus, I, I'm the one. I touched you. And then she told Jesus the reason why she had touched him. And Jesus listened to her complete story. And then he said, daughter, you are well because you dared to believe. Now go in peace and stay well. <clears throat> That's our story. And Brenda, uh, in light of your story this morning and, and many other stories, uh, I wish, wish Jesus was on the beach so that we could just touch his garment and be healed, right? I, I don't understand. I, I'm not, I, I believe in the power of God to heal, and I always ask the question, why doesn't, why doesn't everybody get healed? Um, what, what, what's, what, what and why? And, and, and here's the deal. We don't know. It's not because of something we did or didn't do. Uh, fortunately, this woman was on the beach on the day when Jesus himself came walking by. Uh, I'd like to spiritualize it and say something like, oh, but we all can touch the hem of Jesus' garment and prayer and blah, blah, blah. I, that's not true. I know lots of people that are praying daily for healing and they don't get healed. Uh, so I don't know all of that. Uh, I, I want I want to acknowledge that this woman had this, and I've said this before, and, and so y'all will remember it. We talked. By the way, this is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. I just love this story. Uh, this woman had a perpetual menstrual cycle for twelve years. That's what that's what was going on. She'd spend all of her money, and I want to acknowledge that her disease was an injustice. She didn't deserve the disease. She didn't do anything to get the disease. She just had it. Uh, the way her religious community treated her was also an injustice. They excluded her because of their ritualistic laws. And, and so I just want to I, I wanna say out loud that sometimes religious groups don't help. In fact, they get in the way, and they, they don't help. Their, their answers don't help. Their rituals don't help. But she had heard about this miracle worker, this healer, and she went to find him. So to the best of her ability, here's, here's a faith-walking principle that I want you to see. She took responsibility for herself. She didn't just sit at home hoping, well, maybe Jesus will come to my house. And come visit me. No, she got up. She went out to the beach, and she found Jesus. Uh, I don't. I don't know what all that means, other than she took responsibility. She just didn't sit on her hands and wait for a miracle. But because she was ashamed, and I'm going to say it this way: another faith walking principle. And because she was full of shame, because of her condition. She snuck up behind Jesus in the crowd. 
<laughs> there's got to be a lesson in that. I don't know what it is, but she snuck up behind Jesus in the crowd because she was embarrassed and because she was full of shame. She was hiding in her shame. And somehow the scripture says she believed all I need to do is touch his garment. Now, I don't know whether that was a whole lot of faith or if I don't know if that was minuscule faith. I've said it previously when I've talked about this passage of Scripture. It's almost like it was a mystical, magical thing. Like, oh, my gosh, uh, you know, if I just touch him, I'll be healed. Uh, but for whatever reason, she was convinced that if she touched Jesus's garment, she would be healed. Now, here's an interesting so y'all know I'm a word geek, and here's, here's, so here's the word I'm going to geek about, one of the words. She said, I know if I touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I will be healed. That word she uses there is the word sozo in Greek, and sozo is the word for saved. She says, I know if I touch his garment, I'll be saved. That's what she said. But what? But it was saved from her disease. Now, folks, here's one of the things I want to help you with. I believe the good news of Jesus is not just about our souls getting out of hell and going to heaven. I think the good news of Jesus is Jesus came to restore wholeness in all the dimensions of life, including our physical dimension. That's the word she used. She used the word for salvation there. So here's my big question. What about all the others around Jesus that couldn't touch him? What about the ones that, could, that, that weren't in Palestine around the, the uh, Sea of Galilee on that particular occasion, in that particular moment? What about those people? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, but I'm full of questions about it. So there was this large number of people, and... I think one of the astounding things about this story is that that God healed her through Jesus's body without Jesus knowing or doing anything. All he knew was somehow some power went out of me. And I and I want to talk about that just for a moment. And I want to talk about this. Any of us who in any way bring healing to others it takes something from us. Now, I, I, I don't mean it takes something from us that we'll never regain, but, but when we help others, when we coach others, when, when Miss B talks for two hours with this lady uh, last week, when you or I do, it, there's a drain on us of energy that needs to be replenished. And we need to replenish that. And one of the things Jesus did was regularly re replenished himself. Uh, just know that those who bring healing get drained emotionally. So Jesus stopped and he says, who touched, touched me? And he just, he waited. And in the silence, like many of us do, Jesus got, or the disciples got really anxious. And here's what they did, again, using faith walking language. And the disciples jumped in to overfunction for both the crowd and for Jesus. 
and to fix it. They couldn't wait for this person to identify themselves. So what I want you to see is uh, you can follow Jesus closely and still be full of anxiety and reactivity because the disciples were. They, they, just, they just reacted, and they reacted to fix it. Uh, but Jesus didn't get anxious. Jesus stayed calm, and he waited for the woman to identify herself. And eventually, the woman stepped forward. I don't know that there's any significance. She's one of many. But I find it fascinating that Jairus is named in, the, in, in this account in Mark 5, and this woman is one of the unnamed. And most of the people in the Bible are unnamed, but there are some that are named. So she's just an unnamed woman. She's afraid uh, and trembling. And what uh, you know, we could speculate about what, what she's afraid of. Uh, but she told Jesus that she had touched him, and she told him why she had, she had touched him. And here's what I want you to hear. Do you remember the, the formula for dealing with shame in our life, the three Cs, courage, compassion, and connection? That's the formula for developing shame resilience. So here, here's what I think happened. This woman full of shame finally comes clean with Jesus, and she courageously brings her shame into the light. And when she does, Jesus gives her nothing but compassion. And she gets welcomed back into the connection of community that she had been excluded from. Right there in this little story is shame resiliency. I believe that's what Jesus does over and over again. So I'm, Jesus may not always heal, but here's what I know Jesus always does. Jesus always offers compassion for our shame. Always. Always offers compassion for our, for our shame. And so then here's the summation. And the summation is full of words that are powerful and helpful. Jesus says to her, your faith, whatever amount it was, has made you well. Your faith has made you whole again. Guess what word gets used there? I know you're silently saying it to yourself. Courtney, say it out loud. What word is it? Is it sozo? It is sozo. You got it. Thank you. Yeah. So it's the same word. It's the word for salvation. So she said, I believe if I just touch Jesus' garment, I'll be saved. And Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Well, that means she's saved. She's going to heaven when she dies, right? She repented of her sin and confessed. And now, no, it's none of that. She's restored physically to wholeness. She's saved from her disease. And it's the word sozo. It's, it's, it's the word for salvation. And then Jesus says, a compilation of other words, not including sozo. But here's what he says. Okay, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace and continue to be whole and well. 
He used a completely different word for wholeness, but he said wholeness again. So in the Greek New Testament, you know most of the New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek word for peace is a little different. But here, here's my argument that I always give. But Jesus wasn't Greek. Jesus was Hebrew. And Jesus thought in Hebrew, and I believe he spoke in Hebrew. And the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And the Hebrew word for peace means more than just peace. It means wholeness, right? Completeness, soundness. So listen to this. Your faith has made you whole. Now go, and, and the preface is into, go into the wholeness that you just received and continue to be whole and well. I believe that when when Jesus, I believe that Jesus' hope and the good news of the gospel is that wholeness will be restored in our lives and that we will live our lives in wholeness because that's what God invite, invites us to. And this story is an account of someone being physically restored to wholeness. There are many other accounts in Scripture where people are, are restored to wholeness spiritually or in other ways. But I just love the, the phraseology there. I love the wording. You've been made whole. Now go live into the wholeness that you've received and continue to be whole and continue to be well because wholeness and well-being are God's design for your life. Amen. So, I wonder what that stirs up in you or for you. Anything? Any of all that? There's so much packed in that little story. I love it. Well, I love what you said about how God has compassion on our shame. Because you have to understand, surely, I mean, everybody's gone through something in their life, whether it's a physical pain, emotional pain, or Mm -hmm. or, or something that has caused them to, to maybe not think right, maybe have terrible thoughts or say the wrong thing or whatever it can be. And, and I guarantee I've said a lot of stuff going through this physical pain, stuff that I would rather not have come out of my mouth, just in the rage and anger, you know, even angry with God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I had, I mean, it was, I had that whole shame fest a couple nights ago where I was just, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to hell. You know, everything I, you know, it's everything I was saying just coming out. And then it was like, wait a minute, stop it. No, it was my husband. He's like, stop. God loves you. Mm -hmm. And I had to remind myself that God can handle me getting angry mm -hmm. <clears throat> and not being happy with him right now. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and so it was just like, in our human thinking, we, we just, it, it's so easy to forget that he has compassion. He is our father, you know, especially, you know, and I can't quote the exact scripture when he talks about, you know, what a, maybe a, a you know, a mother would leave her, her, her nursing child, you know, how much more am I going to take care of you? And so I have to remember that in spite of things, 
and, mm-hmm. and he really does. I do believe that. I do believe he has compassion. You know, it's just, <laughs> we forget. And so we start beating ourselves up and, or want to shame somebody else for, oh, yeah, little faith, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, and I've already experienced that <laughs> the past couple of weeks. God help me. I have experienced that legalistic, the lines that have been thrown at me. And um, so I, I'm thankful. I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that, that we serve and we're from a compassionate God. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Brenda. Uh, I... I appreciated what you just said about um, the followers of Jesus disciples being super anxious um, and trying to quickly fix like the ridiculous question they thought Jesus was asking the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, it's, and I, you know, it's, it's nice to reflect on that and be like, Oh, right. You know, they're with Jesus and they're, they're anxious. Yeah. And I, and so there, so it was a bit of, there was definitely a bit of kind of, just relief um in that in that thought and i then i have to say immediately sort of past past voices or past ideas or past sort of um um maybe maybe dogma or or doctrine kind of flooded very quickly and after that was very much like oh but which is always what people always say i think whenever they start comparing themselves to disciples is but they didn't have the holy spirit um, and that's different for us because, you know, so, so as an excuse, well, then you, so you having a reason to not be anxious, they didn't, right? Um, because you should have the Holy Spirit. And so that should sort of, that should sort of be the the medicine you need to prevent anxiety. Um, anyway, I just, I just thought I'd, I'd share that because I think, yeah. I think a lot of us jump to that and it's very quick to then, then find another, another way around making sure you still judge yourself or still have, you know, um, um, shame or whatever for, for being, for anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great, uh, point, Courtney. Um, yeah. Um, and I don't think it's helpful to shame ourselves. Yeah. I think God's compassionate with us right where we are. And we're all imperfect. Even if we have the Holy Spirit of God, we're still imperfect. So how is that possible? See, that's the head scratcher that I've always had. How is it that if we have the Holy Spirit of God, we're still imperfect? Why, why aren't we perfect? But we're not. Well, then you must not have the Holy Spirit of God. Well, but you're not perfect either. So Ken, I find it interesting as I as you were talking and I had to go look up biblegateway.com um to see the different you know versions of it the different translations one of the things that i saw was um that her bleeding made her ritually unclean and you know for me my perspective when i think about bible stories or whatever you know they're there to keep you safe right they're there because god doesn't want you to suffer so when you should stay away from someone who's bleeding if you don't know how to deal with all the you know we still don't know how to deal with blood so how on earth could they? So if someone's bleeding, you keep away. It's safer that way um, for you. But it's that she was bleeding. You know, it wasn't just she was sick. It's that she was, you know, so she, here she is in a way that you're not supposed to be around people. You're supposed to go seclude yourself, whether it's she was having women issues or a cut on her arm. I don't know. But she was bleeding, you know, so it was 
this physical manifestation, visual manifestation of what was happening, whatever was happening inside her. And of course, it's shameful. If you're, if you're, if something is happening with you physically, that means you're supposed to go seclude yourself. That's got to be shameful. Um, so it's interesting. I hadn't thought about the shame factor before, but when I consider that together with the fact that here's this woman who, I mean, it's not like, it's not just like, you know, I walk in with a cane and everybody stares. It's that she's bleeding from all these people and yet she still did it. And yet she still fought through it. You know, um, I don't know. I just thought that was, it's yeah. interesting to me when I try to think of that perspective of time and place and yeah. healthcare, and, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so true, Jean. And we, and, and the truth is we've advanced so far and yet we haven't advanced all that far. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there, there are still all sorts of health things that we don't understand and we don't get. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, to me, there, there are two qualities that stand out with this woman. The first quality is her desperation. She'd spent all of her financial resources trying to get help. And all she'd done was gotten worse. She was desperate. And that desperation, I think, helped her to have the courage to not care about her shame and just say, I think if I touch this guy's garment, I'll be healed. And by golly, I don't care where I have to go or what I have to do. I'm going to go do that. When I was young, I used to always, when I heard that story, I would, I didn't really get it. Like I was like, okay, that'd be annoying. But, you know, but now like having more of a sense of medical stuff, not much, but I mean, I can't even imagine bleeding every day like it's not like she could just pop iron pills i mean presuming yeah. presumably yeah. she had all kinds of medical issues stemming from that mm -hmm. the anemia being the most obvious but um i i don't even know when you can't get regular help for something i'm surprised she hadn't died at this point honestly right right um, and that's just not you know it, those details aren't in there so it's easy to kind mm -hmm. of you know brush it off as like well that'd be a pain to have my period all the time but like you know <laughs> sorry ken but uh yeah thank but, you uh, thank you angela you're welcome anytime <laughs> but it was probably hugely more than that not to mention all the social um impacts of it yeah yeah this is this has definitely been like one of my you know favorite um stories for a while now and and i think some of it's because it is such a it's such a beautiful display of Jesus being a feminist, um, for example, uh, and just caring about the needs for women. I think that I think you know can easily get lost in in conservative evangelical uh, culture. Um, but also, um, I've I've definitely not a Courtney original, but I've also heard it. You mentioned Ken that like, you know, that she is she's not given a name, um, and 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 the reality is, I I think you know she's she's her name is. The woman who's been hemorrhaging for the last 12 years mm -hmm. and 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 then jesus does give her a name and calls her daughter mm -hmm. um and and so mm -hmm. as someone who's obviously because of because of uh uh ceremonial cleansing etc being basically ostracized mm -hmm. from what we would kind of call the church you know or or at least israel or however you would kind of define 
yeah. you know, now now he's 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 saying actually you are you're a part of this family you're your daughter you're in the fold um by 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 saying that um a person who's otherwise nameless or known only by her disease is suddenly known by daughter which is extremely yeah. even almost even more intimate than being yeah. called by your name that's really good courtney thanks yeah. for bringing that up it's awesome that hadn't dawned on me and i love that you know and it's funny because we talked about the person who was given a name the other week and how you know that like why was he given a name was it because people recognized it or you know whatever and it's like you know you think about some of the people in, in dc where you are now courtney and the people who have give, been given names it's like oh my god <laughs> you know that guy right or whatever or that girl whatever whichever way i think that's really interesting that 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 the nameless piece kind of versus the person being named it's not always great to be named but it does give some like context to it of you know if you say trump right then i then we have a picture whatever that picture is but we have a picture of this guy right who's in his in his place versus if you say um gandhi right they're names that we recognize and that have different connotations um but they both you know dealt with a lot of people who were nameless so yeah interesting yeah hmm. you know and it's funny ken i have to say too um, uh this one is it's interesting because I know how much this passage means to you. And one of the things that I am doing now that I just finished my module two is trying to connect my physical and spiritual life in a different way. Um, for example, yesterday, um, I was taking a shower and it takes so much work for me to get in the dang shower and to wash my hair. And I shaved my legs for the first time in like six months. It was very exciting. Um, but all that activity takes work in a way that, you know, it used to be take a shower and go to work. You know, I mean, that was a five minute, 10 minute thing. And yesterday it was like an hour and a half. And then I'm, you know, laying on the bed going, oh, I'm so tired. Um, and so it's kind of like changed my perspective of the physical world. And when I am reading these things now, you know, before, I think whenever I read the Bible, I just thought it was parables. I never really thought about it as something that happened, which sounds weird because why am I Christian? But I am. <laughs> but I but I always thought these were just stories. And as we're reading it through this process, it makes the people come to life for me in a different way. That's really exciting. And, um, you know, it's not that if you don't have faith, you won't get healed because we all know, you know, Jesus loves us. So, you know, as, as Brenda said, it's, it's, he loves us. Um, but it's trying to figure out what is the, what is the piece? What is the, the slice of life here that we're trying to gather? Uh, it's really, it's, this is nice. Thank you again for yeah. giving us this. Thank you, Jean. Anyone else have a thought? I just posted something in the chat. It was a painting that I worked on months ago. I literally ran across it this morning. It was just shoved behind some stuff. And it was about, it was a picture of Jesus depicting Jesus with the woman uh, at the well slash issue of blood, which is why the woman's wearing this red dress. Mm. So I'm finding this very ironic. <laughs> the mm. subject, it just hit me. I mean, I literally mm. just ran across that uh, about an hour and a half ago because I decided I was going to paint while my hands were working today as much as I could. 
And um, I, I literally stopped for a moment. I looked at that and I was like, okay, you say you love me. You were there for them. I need you here for me, you know. And um, what chapter does this come from? Because I completely forgot and I didn't. I'm Mark chapter five. Chapter verse, five. Verses 24 to 34. 24 through 34. Okay. Mm -hmm. I had it marked in my Bible. I've read it so many times, but the way that you're telling it or the way that you're describing it is so different than what. I mean, I just, I never, I. I just pictured this woman in the crowd. I didn't think of all the details, mm -hmm. you know, like Jean was explaining everything you have to go through. And, and yes, I mean, if you're disabled, you know, having just, just the effort to get somewhere, the desperation mm -hmm. um, is unlike anybody can imagine. And so to think of what she had to go through and the, and just risk the ridicule of everybody right. is just, wow. But yes, desperate times call desperate measures calls for desperate measures yep beautiful picture oh thank you i'll do something with it someday <laughs>